0: I didn't pay the youth for that welcome, but thanks, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, it's so cool to be able to still come together and meet together. And as Mike said, I'm going to be continuing our legacy series. And I'm really excited this morning um, to speak on not just one person, but three um, and a family. Um, and it, I, I really enjoyed writing this. Um, and so I'm going to enjoy sharing it as well. Uh, but first, I want to pray. So, God, we just thank you so much, Lord, that. Um, that there have been so many that have gone before us, Lord, um, that we can learn from God. And and, um, so I just really pray, Lord, that today you speak to each of us, Lord, as we look at these people. Um, Lord, I pray that um, use me the way you need to use me this morning, Lord. I'm a vessel to be used, Lord, to to share your heart, to share your message this morning, God. So I just really pray that um, you speak to all of us in a new and a fresh way this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So this morning I am titling my message, The Faithful Family. Um, And I've decided that I'm going to get right into it this morning, um, and I'm going to start with getting a bit vulnerable and a bit honest with you all. So here we go. I get hooked on rubbish reality TV shows way too easily. Amen, a few amens. I don't know what it is, but I just get incredibly intrigued by seeing different personalities and different characters together in the same room. um, And seeing the clashes, seeing the connections, um, seeing how different people react in different Um, situations. I don't know why, but I just find it fascinating and find it far too easy to zone out and watch that for ages. Um, Watching certain personalities connect and clash and watching character development um, thrown together with some good competition of some sort on TV and and I'm in in, in the zone. Um, And so... Even though most of it's rubbish, it's a good way just to zone out, and I'm, just, I'm intrigued by watching people. I don't know why. Um, and even like, in malls as well, um, Ngarese and I, we a shocker, just like, watching people. We're people watchers. Um, and we even like, go to the point, if you hear a laugh, we try to like, mimic the laugh. I don't know. We're just, I'm fascinated by different people. You should try it. It's good fun. If you're in like, a food court or something, um, and you hear laughs, like have fun. Try mimic their laugh, and you get really good at it, and it's quite good. You can even develop your own laugh. <laughs> So you can learn so much by seeing strengths and weaknesses of other people and how they play out in different circumstances. So when choosing who I was going to speak about this morning, um, there was one family that really caught my attention. They're a family whose names aren't mentioned a whole lot in the Bible, and yet their stories are some of the most well-known and impactful stories in the New Testament. So we're going to look at three stories today, and we're going to do a bit of a character study together. This is a family of individuals that can teach us so much about the different ways that faith can be portrayed in our life. So today we're going to be looking at the siblings, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, the faithful family. So the three passages of Scripture we're going to be looking at today are Luke 10, um, which is when Jesus and his disciples are welcomed into Martha and Mary's home. And um, it's a well-known story where Martha is busy preparing stuff and and doing things, um, and Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then there's John 11, when Lazarus, their brother, he dies, and then Jesus raises him from the dead four days later when he probably could have been there when he was still alive, but he chose not to be. And then John 12, when Jesus is back at their house and is anointed with expensive perfume. So as we read these passages, I want to look at each sibling and their actions and how they respond in different situations, as they are all individuals that can teach us something valuable this morning. So I want to look at the legacy of faith that they leave as a family and something that we can learn from their family. So this morning, I want to start with our good friend Martha. This morning I'm going to call her Mahi Martha. Um, if you don't know what Mahi means, it's to work or to do in Māori. Um, so we're calling her mahi, mahi Martha this morning. And I've chosen to start with Martha because out of the three siblings, she's probably the one that I relate to the most. So bear with me because I'm preaching to myself at the moment too. <laughs> so I just want to clarify before we start, um, before I start getting looks from a few particular people, luckily my wife isn't in the room. Uh, I just want to clarify that when I say I'm like Martha, um, If I have a bunch of people at my house, I'm not doing housework the whole time. I just wanna be honest, I'm sitting down and hanging out. Um, So I'm not like Martha in that sense. Um, But I am a task oriented person. Um, I'm a a problem solver, a practical person. Um, If something comes up, I'm just like, cool, what can we do to fix? Or cool, what can we do to move on from this or to grow from this? Um, I'm a a practical-minded person. And I know there's probably a few other people here that can relate uh, to Mahi Martha this morning. Um, and so when we read about her, she's often doing, um, doing something, or if she sees a potential problem, she's quick to act or quick to speak out about that thing. There's probably a few people that when they read the story are kind of thinking, oh, come on, not again, Martha. Like, sort it out. There's a few people that probably think that way about her. Um, and if we look at the time she is mentioned, often we see that God has to remind her uh, of what he has already said, or often has to pull her in line or refocus her attention um, on what's in front of her. But I also see another side to her, and I think there's something very valuable that we can learn from Martha's life. So we're going to dig into the Word a bit now. Um, I'm going to read a few passages of Scripture, and, um, and we're going to look at how Martha responds in these moments, and then we're going to kind of break that down afterwards. So we're going to start with Luke 10, when she invites Jesus and the disciples into her home. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Later on in the book of John, their brother Lazarus isn't well, and Martha and Mary sent word to Jesus to come and heal him, um, but they didn't quite get the response that they were wanting. See, Jesus said that Lazarus' um, sickness would not end in death, um, and it would happen, um, for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And he ended up deciding to stay where he was for a few more days. So we're going to look a bit more into that with Lazarus later on, but let's look at how Martha, um, Martha's actions in response to this. So John 11, 20 to 28. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When, Mary, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, Son of God, the one who has come to the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. And then just a little bit later on, when Jesus arrives at the tomb, said in John 38, John 11, 38 to 41, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. The cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Roll away the stone, Jesus told him. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been in there for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled aside the stone. So in all three occasions, Jesus had to refocus Martha and kind of pull her in line a bit. He said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset. He said, didn't I tell you? He said, do you believe this? As you look at these stories, often people will see the side of Martha that's quite negative negative. I've heard people say, and I've read the way people think that Martha's doing all these things to get approval of Jesus. She's doing all these, she's, all these actions, all these things to, to look good. But when I read this story, that's not what I saw in Martha. You see, I sort of think there were two lessons that we could learn from Martha's story this morning. So the first lesson servanthood. If you look back at every single deed, comment, and concern that she had, they all came from a heart for others. James 2, 15 to 17 says, suppose a brother or a sister without clothes and daily food. If one, of them say, if, sorry, if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does not go about their physical needs, what good is it to them? In the same way by faith, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You see, I feel like if Martha came to our church and did our growth track and did the spiritual gifts test online that we, that we do, I feel like we might see hospitality and empathy near the top in her life. See, Martha was concerned that her sister wasn't doing her part to honor and respect Jesus. She thought that she needed to come and help prepare things and and prepare stuff for her. See, she was mourning her brother's death. And Martha didn't want to open the tomb because of the smell, which I think came from a place of respect for her brother, as well as concerns for everyone else around. Now, was Martha correct in her concerns? No, but it came from the right heart. See, Mary was actually doing the right thing Jesus said that Lazarus' sickness wouldn't end in death, and she didn't need to worry about opening the tomb because Jesus had spoken. And so this brings me to the second lesson I believe that we can learn from Martha this morning, which is humility and teachability. See, none of these stories go on in the Bible to say, but Mary didn't, oh sorry, but Martha didn't listen, or but Martha stood, there, stood her ground and argued with Jesus for 10 minutes straight about why the stone shouldn't be rolled away. It doesn't say that. It says you, you earlier, you know, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe, so they rolled away the stone. You see, in Hebrews twelve five to seven, it says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not give up when he corrects you. For the Lord's discipline disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. She was quick to listen to Jesus and she was humble and willing to learn in order to strengthen her faith. And that is something that I personally admire. So the lessons we can learn from Martha this morning is one, servanthood, and two, humility and teachability. Now to the next sibling, now to Mary. She's probably the one that I could learn the most from, but also probably the one that I can't really relate with because I don't do feet. (laughs) Now, if you don't know the story of Martha, this might not make sense, but you'll find out soon, but I don't do feet. I don't like people touching my feet. I don't want other people's feet touching me. I've got incredibly ticklish feet. Um, I don't know if it's an insecurity thing, like when I was younger, I mean, I've mean, i got incredibly white feet. Someone call me glow-in-the-day feet. I don't know if that's, maybe that's still lingering. Maybe I need some ministry. I know when I was a, a young, sweaty teenage boy that I had one friend in particular, when he went to his house, his mum would make me wash my feet in the bath before I went in to carry on. i like, I don't know if that was me or if that was her thing. I'm not sure, but I don't do feet. I'm not keen on them. Don't really like them. Um, but obviously, if Jesus was here in the room and he hinted at me that he wanted me to wash his feet, I would, with a deep breath <laughs> and a and a in a humble heart, I would wash Jesus' feet. And, and I feel like, you know, we read and we know Jesus. I feel like if he was here, he would probably point me out to do it, knowing that it would be a test for me. <laughs> I think everyone's got something in their life that Jesus will probably choose you intentionally to do that, because <laughs> he knows that it will be a test of your faith. You know, there's a few Marys in the Bible, and so I just want to clarify which one we're talking about. There's Mary of Nazareth, who is Jesus' mother. There's Mary Magdalene, and then there's Mary of Bethany, who was Martha's sister than the one we'll be looking at today. You know, I feel that the lesson of faith that we can learn from Mary is one that often a lot of people miss. It's one that is so incredibly simple but probably the, and probably the most important part of knowing is serving our Lord. So let's read. Luke ten thirty nine. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. John eleven thirty two. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I think the most significant mention of Mary of Bethany in the Bible and one of the key moments in the gospel message when Mary anoints Jesus. Mary took about a pint of pure nard an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with a fragrance of perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas, who was later to betray Jesus, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she would save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You see, over these three accounts of Mary, she sat at his feet, she fell at his feet, and she anointed his feet. See, back then, to wash someone's feet was the lowest of all services, but Mary took it to another step further and washed his, hair with her, washed his feet with her hair. See, I believe this was significant for a few reasons. Firstly, in, Jew, in the Jewish world, it was a symbolic action which announced that God especially favored the person that was anointed. You see, when she did that, I believe that she was anointing him as king and as Messiah. Secondly, later in John, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Now, this would have always been a significant story. But I believe that because they were in the house where Mary did it, that it made it more important and it helped them understand why Jesus washed their feet, because Jesus was appointing them for the great commission. He was anointing them. So this morning, I feel like the lesson that we can learn from our friend Mary is to submit and to honor. Acknowledging who Jesus is in her life and getting into a posture that says, not by my might, but yours, glory to your name. See, how often do we get ourselves into a posture of surrender and declare his name? You know, the start of the Lord's Prayer Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We start by giving glory and honor where honor is due. And how often do we intentionally spend time at the feet of of Jesus, the foot of the cross? How, How often do we spend time sitting and in awe of our Father to submit and to honor? And then lastly this morning, the last sibling, Lazarus. Now I love reading about Lazarus, and it's funny because there's not a whole lot about him in the Bible, and actually, you only hear about him in the Gospel of John, and there are actually no accounts of him speaking in the Bible, and yet his life and his story led a whole lot of people to believing that Jesus was the Messiah and the Son of God. In John 11one to 3, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the, lo- the one you love is sick. Other versions say, Lord, your friend is sick. Now, it doesn't actually mention Lazarus in Luke when Jesus first goes to the house, to Martha and Mary's house, when Martha was working away and Mary's at her feet. It doesn't actually mention Lazarus, but part of me feels like he was there. Part of me feels like he was there and he was in the room with Jesus because Martha says the one you love is sick. Your friend is sick, which would suggest that there's a relationship, there's a connection, there's a friendship there. I... Um, this, is, this could just be me, but as I'm reading the story, I just kind of picturing. I like to picture what was Jesus doing in the room and what were him and Lazarus talking about. And does anyone here have a friend that always has some really great ideas, but for some reason the role that you play in this idea is always the worst role? <laughs> like maybe you're the one that's going to get in trouble. Maybe growing up in high school, your friend's like, I've got an idea, but you're going to have to do this. <laughs> Part of me is wondering, was that conversation had between Jesus and Lazarus? Did Jesus be like, okay, Lazarus, there's a few people that I know that still don't quite believe, they're still doubting. I've got this idea, but there's this role I need you to play in this idea. (laughs) I wonder if that conversation was had between the two of them. John 11, 41 to 44. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the other people standing here, that they might believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I love this story because it's almost like a teaser trailer to the feature film. (laughs) It's almost like here's a little taste of what's to come. But the last passage of Scripture I want to read about Lazarus here is one that I believe highlights the power of an unwavering and undeniable faith. And that's John 12, 9-10. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him but also to see Lazarus who he had raised from the dead so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. See, I love the story of Lazarus because like I said earlier there's actually no account of him speaking, but people came to see him and the Jewish leaders plotted to kill him now I don't think that he was a mute he obviously talked he would have had conversations but why is that not shown in the Bible you know I was, I was talking to Sarah after the first service and I was just like, I'm kind of like, I wish I knew more. I want to know more of Lazarus' story. Like, <laughs> the, the little that we know, I was like, man, I wish we could find out more about him. And, but I think there's significance in the fact that Lazarus doesn't speak in the word. And I feel like that's because his life spoke for him. His actions spoke louder than any words would. In fact, if you read over those three passages of scripture, there's actually only two accounts of Lazarus actually doing something. The first one, when he was dead in the tomb, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He listened, he got up, and he came out. The second one, when Jesus was in the house and Mary anointed him, it says, Lazarus among those reclining at the table with him. There's not a whole lot more about about him in the Bible, but this little bit that you do read, you feel like you know a whole lot about him. And from what I read, I feel like we can see that Lazarus spent his time listening to Jesus, observing and reflecting the nature of Christ. And this is why the Jewish leaders wanted to kill him because they could not deny what the Lord had done in his life, nor could they stop the effect it was having on all the Jews, on all the people. The lesson that I think we can learn from Lazarus this morning, or the challenge, does your faith encourage faith? 1 John 2, 5-6 to But those who obey God's word truly show, the complete, show completely how much they love Him. This is how we know we are living in Him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. See, people were drawn to Lazarus because it was undeniable what the Lord had done in his life. They were drawn to Him because there was no arguing the fact that Jesus was real, that He was the Son of God. Are we living our lives as Jesus did? Can we confidently say this morning that our life, we are living a life that undeniably, undeniably reflects the love of God and encourages faith in others. Can we say that when people look at our life and meet us, that it's undeniable that the love of God is real? We've been doing this series called Legacy, and I believe that this family, as three individuals, leave a beautiful legacy of what faith looks like. I think we can learn something from each sibling today and apply it in a way in the way that we walk out our own faith journey and each little bit is important. See, knowing when to be busy, but knowing when to stop and sit. Knowing when to be bold, but also remaining humble and teachable. Living as Jesus did and trusting Him with our eternity. And living in a way that encourages um, others in their faith. And when I read about this family, I feel like this is the perfect image of a small group. It's why we love small groups because it's so many individuals, a group of individuals that all have their own way that they show their faith, um, but we can also put our hand up and say, you know what, there's other areas that we can improve in," in our faith journey. And we can rub shoulders, we can learn from each other, we can encourage each other in our small groups. Some of us here might relate with Martha, might be busy doing, 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 and maybe we don't take enough time just to sit. Maybe some of us here can encourage others in our group by the way that we live. As we close today, I'm wondering if there are a few people that relate to Martha. And you can say, I've been so busy doing that I've missed the most important part to sit at his feet. Or maybe there's a group of us that feel like, actually, you know what, I'm really good with God. I do. I sit at his feet. I intentionally put time aside to sit with him and to know him and to get to know him and to love him. But actually, now that I think about it, maybe I'm not living like Jesus did. Maybe I'm not speaking and encouraging faith through my actions in the way that I live. Or maybe some of us here are saying to ourselves with a humble heart that actually I haven't even made the decision to invite God into my life, to trust His plan and to trust Him with my eternity. This morning, I want to give you the opportunity to make that decision. I'm going to pray a simple prayer now, and if any of that speaks to you this morning, can I ask that you pray with me, that you pray this from your heart. We go up our heads and Close our eyes. Just repeat after me. Dear God, we honour and thank you today. Thank you for sending your son to give his life as an example and a sacrifice. This morning I acknowledge the areas in my life that I have fallen short. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for you to make me whole. Help me today, Lord, to find balance in my journey with you. Teach me and lead me and help me encourage faith in others. While we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if anyone here prayed that prayer for the first time, inviting God into your life, firstly, I just wanna congratulate you and say that's awesome. Or maybe someone here, maybe you've prayed that prayer as a prayer of recommitment maybe you realise that actually you know what I've been so busy doing or I've been so busy in other things that actually I'm no longer you're no longer that constant in my life I actually can honestly say that I maybe I don't trust you with my eternity and I want to make that decision today if you prayed the prayer as a recommitment as well just want to ask for one more small thing I want to count to three and when I get to three I I'll just love for you to slip your hand up just so that we can see you and we can um, connect with you and, and, and pray with you but then also as a, as a physical act to say, God, that's me. God, I've made that decision today. So one, God loves you. Two, he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And three, if that was you this morning, thank you. awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Is anyone else this morning? Thank you. Lord, we just thank you so much for those that have put their hand up, Lord, and, and said, that's me this morning, God. And for those that maybe didn't feel confident to put their hand up, but have actually made that decision and said that prayer, Lord, Lord firstly, we give their life to you, Lord, and we ask that you lead them and protect them, Lord. Lord, and we just pray that all of us here can learn something from this family of faith this morning, Lord, that we can acknowledge the strengths that we have in our faith and learn how to use them and to grow them, but then also acknowledge maybe the areas that we can lift a bit more, Lord, areas that maybe we've pushed aside that that Lord that we can strengthen and we can learn more in. God help us in our journey of faith, Lord that we can get to a point where our life encourages faith in others. In Jesus' name.